It's another episode of Pod9 from Outer Space. Cue the music. So, it was my turn to pick. And we are watching our namesake this week. Papa film. Plan 9 from Outer Space. One of three films that I've come across as being widely regarded as the worst. We will do the other two at some point. Which are the other two? Birdemic and The Room. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So that gives you an idea of what level this is at. It really does. It's one of those it's one of those things that um yeah we these things we do because it fits with our very precise ethos. They've got to be stuff that the creator thought was great or at least adequate. Yeah. They were at least trying. Mm. Oh god, the room was trying. But that said Plan 9 from Outer Space, I'm going to have to try hard not to keep calling it Pod 9, um, has probably the best opening line of any film we've watched so far. We are all interested in the future, because it is where we will spend the rest of our lives. I mean, personally, I'm drifting back into the past, but that's just due to an unfortunate tachyon-based accident. Well, yeah, I mean, as someone that wants to work in museums, I plan to spend my life in a, a strange a strange mixture of the future, the past, and the present. All moments are one to us. Time is a flat circle. So, one thing that everybody knows about Plan 9 is that they managed to get Bela Lugosi. It's actually his last film. His last film where he kind of appears for a little bit and then is very obviously replaced by a double because he had an unfortunate came down with an unfortunate case of mortality yeah it's kind of it's well known that the double was taller and that a lot of the shots of Lugosi either from the back or with his face covered with his cape in the style of the aliens from Futurama um you can see that he's significantly taller. But one thing that we noticed watching it, which I haven't seen mentioned anywhere before, is that the double also has different hair. His hair is a lot shorter on the sides. They really didn't pay attention. No. I mean, we've spoken, I think, about um, about Edward before. We have, yeah. And this was a very Edward shenanigan. Such a shenanigan. Although I do want to know whether the double used the same cloak, because that was actually owned by Bella Lugosi from a stage production of, of Dracula that he did. I'm going to say probably not, because I, I seem to recall hearing something about Lugosi being buried with a cloak. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Because Dracula kind of made and destroyed his career in one fell swoop, so it's that's appropriate. 
Yes. I think we discussed that last episode when we did Dracula and also Dracula. We did. He was um, replaced by Tom Mason in this notable chiropractor. Not the only person who you wouldn't think would be involved who was involved in this film, to be honest. Yeah. So a large part of the funding came from a local Baptist church, which Edward did mostly sexploitation, so how he got away with that, I do not know. But the minister from that church can actually be seen early on in the film playing a grave digger, which was apparently one of his conditions. I think that's I think that's fair. It's it must be fun to have a little background role yeah. or something you tell your kids about, unless it's Plan Nine, in which case you don't. I can very much imagine him saying, "Oh yeah, I was in a film once." No, I won't tell you what film or mm. who it was by. Nope. <laughs> don't seek out his other work, children. It will corrupt you. It will indeed. So the basic plot of the film is... Is it anything but basic? Mm. There's um, people rising from their graves and also UFOs appearing in the sky and the two, it turns out, are connected because that is how the aliens are attacking. Yes, it is, you may have guessed, their ninth plan uh, the other eight not having worked out to destroy humanity before we reach the inevitable point where we work out how to blow up sunlight and therefore destroy the universe. In case you were wondering, we're right in the middle of Plan 10 right now. It's called 2020. <laughs> the original title was Grave Robbers from Outer Space, but the financial backers objected to the title. What was it too daft? Sacrilegious. Then, like the the bring the image of desecration to the fore, which I guess makes sense in knowing who they are. It does, but at the same time, you have to consider there was very much still desecration of graves. It's mm. kind of a key point. If anything, I would object to the title Grave Robbers from Outer Space because it's inaccurate. They're body snatchers from outer space. Yeah. So many bodies getting snatched. Well, three. Yeah, that's... I mean, there's more than you'd expect in a typical day. Well, true. I mean, personally, I'll at most snatch one body. It's a lot of work. I, for one, have have secreted several, but that's over the course of weeks. So one other thing is, so Bela Lugosi, his character actually does die in it quite early on. It starts with him burying his wife. Yes. Played by Vampira. Naturally. Whose role is entirely silent. Because she hated the lines she was given so much. She just insisted on not speaking. Well, if you don't have anything believable to say, well, best to say nothing at all. Exactly. 
So not long after Vampira dies, Bela Lugosi also dies. Yep. And they are two of the three people who are brought back as... I get like the closest analogy would be zombies. Yes. Because they're sort of mindless shambling corpses that do the work of the aliens. Which kind of makes them more like the sort of original meaning of zombie than most modern zombies. The fact that they are controlled, they're brought back to life for this specific purpose. Yeah, the is it's actually quite interesting, I think. They are OG zombies. Yeah. Oh, although saying that gangster zombies, I would like to see either either version of gangster. Just putting that out there, manifesting it with my words. Yeah, I feel like the closest I've seen is probably Cockneys versus zombies. You can tell from the title that the the crime men are very much against the zombies in that situation. Mm-hmm. Although it does have the best chasing of all time, and we need to watch that film at some point. They uh, they do not see eye to eye on many of the key issues, like public transport, schools, police, brain eating. It's it's just a shambles all around. Yeah, yeah. The shambling shambles. Ooh. But in um, in Plan Nine, it's one of those films where. I, f- I felt there was the structure of a very very old school sort of style of filmmaking of not necessarily needing as much of a of a single lead and going with more of an ensemble in that doesn't necessarily meet up so much mm. which I find it very interesting in in an action context. The first thing that came to mind was um, the 49th Parallel, which really switches perspectives a lot, uh, but in the context of a war drama rather than whatever this is. Yeah, like there is definitely some working together towards the end because you have the Pentagon and you have the local police. And they're definitely moving towards the same goal, but I think mm. it's just that the Pentagon get there a lot faster because they have the resources as opposed to two slightly goofy local policemen who are just walking around the graveyard going, oh, why do I always get the spooky shift? I, I do love those guys. <laughs> I support them. They're married now. I mean, ACAB, obviously, but those two are kind of cute. I hope they I hope they retire to open a B and B. There is one point I don't know if it's it's presumably just fifties slang, but they refer to themselves as hard hats, despite their hats not being that hard. So I found quite quite interesting. Yeah, I think that's just general kind of grunt yeah. stuff, which I feel would have worked better if they were troops. But the troops were busy doing the kind of Ah, we can't tell anyone about all of the uh, aliens happening. Yeah, there's a whole conversation between some sort of general. Mm. It's unclear what his role actually is. And the head of the Pentagon's UFO research unit, where he asks the head of this this UFO research unit, 
do you believe in UFOs? And he says, yes. He says, you know that the government is suppressing UFOs. He says, yes. You realize you could be court-martialed for admitting this. And he actually goes, well, yes, sir. That's very good. Was that the... There was a point where the general was talking to a, to what looked like a grunt about the whole thing and saying, what, how do we disguise it? Which was a weird conversation to have. No, that was that was out in the field when they were yeah. shooting missiles at UFOs and they were discussing how it was definitely just a training operation and they were shooting at clouds and that's all we're going to say about the matter. That was so weird. But this was later in an actual office in the Pentagon. Okay, it's just that one stood out to me because... It that felt... guy, by the way, does not show up again. Yeah. He's, he's just there to... I guess just plot dump the fact that there is a UFO investigation unit and the government's covering it up. Yeah, that was that was absolutely bizarre. But it did they did seem oddly informal with each other, this this general and and the and the grunts. Which is weird. It makes me wonder like how how high up are you in rank? Are you just a a two-star general where you'll have multilingual staff but no minibar? I like to imagine they're just friends who happen to be different ranks. Okay. Sometimes a little let him borrow his hat and run around. Yeah. Like when his mum visits, he puts the general hat on him and says, yeah, yeah, he's doing really well. <laughs> makes me swab the missiles. Swab the missile. Yeah, swab the missiles. Does it help them fly better? Yeah, yeah, it does. You gotta, you gotta swap the missiles. Otherwise, they go wonky. That's fair. You gotta keep them aerodynamic. Hello, I'm mod, I'm mod paper from Probably Bad RPG Ideas, and we have a podcast. If you'd like to hear RPG advice on how to use assorted incredibly bad ideas as actual ideas in an actual game then listen to the Probably Bad podcast. Available on pretty much every podcatcher. And remember to have a Probably Bad day. Hi, I'm Hazel, and I make a podcast with Liz called Bread and Thread, which you might enjoy if you are a fan of food or clothes or other interesting parts of domestic history. We find out interesting facts about things like regional foods, ancient breeds of sheep, um, pretty much anything domestic history. So if you'd like to know why it's illegal to import a sheep into Iceland and what was presented by Queen Victoria to Harriet Tubman, then you might want to check out Bread and Thread. Find us at Bread and Thread on Twitter or find us everywhere podcasts exist. <laughs> I do love the shooting at clouds thing, though, mm. because... They shoot like a whole thing of like at least 12 missiles mm. at these UFOs. That must cost so much money to do. And like, surely at some point someone's going to say, hey, why were you shooting live missiles at clouds just as an exercise? What was happening there? Yeah, he, he basically used up an entire municipal budget. Luckily, when they landed, they hit a municipality, so you're good. Bounces out. Mm. 
I do want to go back to the alien's actual problem, though. Because... First of all, they've sent several messages before, and in the last message say, Okay, we realise you've only just got the technology to translate this. But we're still cross that you ignored the other messages. So clearly this means you're irresponsible. Because you invented firecrackers, and then grenades, and then bombs, and then nuclear bombs. And instead of teaching you the co that consequences have actions, and that you shouldn't be working to learn how to blow up sunlight, which apparently some scientists are doing. They just know that, that that's happening. <laughs> Instead of teaching you why you shouldn't blow up sunlight, <laughs> we're just gonna destroy your planet with zombies. And yes, consequences do have actions, as you so rightly said. <laughs> Is that what I said? Yep. <laughs> In my defence, you can't have a consequence without something leading to it. But there is also, like, during the alien's actual tirade, which is not dissimilar from what I just said, his arms are completely stiff by his side, and he just sort of starts barking the word stupid at this guy from the Pentagon, until eventually he gets decked. Which, I'm honestly surprised that the Pentagon guy had enough self-control to wait until he started just barking stupid. Yeah, everybody in this film just... You really question their actions on a fundamental level. Yeah. Just as, as characters, as actors, as human beings. You know what? There's one character whose actions I do not question. Oops. Bella Lugosi. Yes. He just, he lost his wife, and then he was sad, and then he died. That's his arc. Yep, so dark. That's the most believable thing, is that a man died. Yes. But, you know, he didn't need to go as method as he ended up doing. He really didn't. I'd have, I'd have believed him anyway, he's a good actor. So, you said that there's one person in this film who's actually playing himself. Yes. Oh, I want to talk about this guy. So, the film is framed as a prediction on a show by... No, it's not a prediction. It's based on reports that this guy ended up having. That That's it. He's just known for predictions. Um, yes, the amazing Criswell, or Gerund Criswell Koenig. Gerund? Geron. Okay. That's, I mean, that's less strange than calling a kid Gerund. I yes. assume Gerund is just a name I'm not familiar with, whereas Gerund would be a strange choice. Yeah. He looks like you'd expect Psychic to look, I think, it's fair to say. Yeah. He grew up with family, a family with relatives who owned a funeral home and liked to sleep in caskets. A perfectly normal childhood activity. Yeah, he um, 
started off doing radio stuff and then began to predict the future. And there were some some prominent people who did go to him for some advice, like Mae West. Huh. Mae West used Criswell as a personal psychic. Do you want to know what he predicted that she would end up doing? What? She would become president of the United States, whereupon she, Criswell, and George Liberace, the brother of the Liberace, would take a rocket to the moon. That sounds more interesting than what actually happened. Mm. And he had some interesting um, predictions, which I'm not sure how many of these happened. Maybe you could fill me in. All right. First prediction. Okay. Denver, Colorado would be struck by a ray from space that would cause all metal to adopt the qualities of rubber, leading to horrific accidents at amusement parks. Don't believe so. If you're listening in Denver, feel free to correct me. Mass cannibalism and the end of planet Earth happening on August 18th, 1999. I couldn't tell you I'm not that good with recent history. Okay. And finally, President John F. Kennedy would not run for re-election in 1964. Now that one I'm pretty sure did come true. Yeah. I'll give him that one. Oh my god, he's real. <laughs> he was on the grassy knoll. I joke, of course, we all know Kennedy's head just did that. Yes. And landed on the grassy knoll. So I kind of want to get um, his book, Criswell Predicts, from now to the year 2000. I might see if I can find a PDF or something like that, because it's a I'm guessing it's out of print. (laughs) Probably. So, I don't know about you, but I think what I learned from this film is not to blow up sunlight. Yeah, yeah, that's that makes sense. I learned that we're all going to be living in the future. In fact, that's where we're going to be spending the rest of our lives. I don't like that. I think, on the count scale, I think this might be our first full Glastonbury. Yes. It's just, it's got everything... It's got alien zombies, it's got Bela Lugosi, it's got Vampira, it's got the tackiest form of framing narrative, which doesn't stop narrating for the whole film. A true true candidate for the Glastonbury Award for campness. Definitely. So what are we watching next week? That's a really, really good question. Now I've got a few things 
on my on my list which I feel like they end up my picks end up quite varied to say the least but I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not I think it's just a neutral thing it just is cool in which case I'm gonna go with Robinson Crusoe on Mars excellent and we'll see just how many Martian Glastonbury's that one scores. Mm.